Well, we're in a series right now called Train to Win, and we're focusing on how to engage in training that will help us to become more like Jesus. So Pastor Jason, our senior pastor who right now is enjoying the cool weather of Colorado and is about to help minister to to, uh, 300 students, um, he kicked us off in this series with these verses from 1 Timothy 4. It's verses 7 through 8, and it says, Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life, somebody say, in this life, amen, and in the life to come. That's right. You know, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, was writing these words to Timothy. He was training Timothy. He wanted to train him up so that Timothy would live full out for Jesus, right? And he uses physical training as an example. How many of you believe that physical training is a good thing? A few of you, others of you are like, eh, I mean, it's good. That doesn't mean I do it. Um, I'm glad you're honest. I am. I'm glad you're honest. I would say that I have a desire to be physically fit. I believe in the benefits that it can transform my body and my mind and my soul. It can help with my emotions. And I would tell you guys that even this equipment up here is somewhat familiar to me. Because about three years ago, I joined CrossFit for a bit. And, and I, I joined because I knew that it could help me get results, right? I knew that there were coaches who could help me to achieve those results. I knew there was a group of people that could encourage me towards those results. And I did pretty good with it for about a month. And I will tell you that I even learned some of the CrossFit language. That was one of the biggest feats, just joining this thing. So I walked in, and you learn language with acronyms like PR. And I'm going to be honest and tell you I had to stop and pray one day when they said a burpee would be included in our wad, which is the workout of the day. Burpees. Y'all, for a woman who has had children, and who has not worked out and is stepping back in after a hot minute. There's a few things that go through her mind, like, is my body going to fail me in this moment? Does the name of this exercise possibly describe what may come out of me if I am not careful? Burp. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I cannot be the only woman nor the only person who has ever had that thought. Please help a sister out, right? Thank you. Thank you. Now, I love this Facebook post from a friend. Um, She posted this recently. She's an avid CrossFitter, and you can tell just by looking at her. She says, that she was outside working with her girls. She has two young daughters. And one of those daughters says, Mommy, can you show us what you did last time? To which the mom replies, What do you mean? And the little girl says, You know, the hiccups or the toots. (laughs) Yeah, you guessed it. She meant burpees. Well, you guys, aside from the hilarity of that post, I noticed something about these two little girls. 
See, they were watching their mama. They were asking questions, and they were wanting to do just what she was doing. In essence, they were wanting to play the game, follow the leader. And I was reminded that with all my mess-ups, all my breaks to observe, all my questions, the CrossFit coaches would say the same thing to me. Just follow the leader. Just watch what I'm doing and do it exactly as I'm doing. Well, today, we're going to talk about a word in Christianity that often causes just as much confusion as CrossFit language. And yet, in its simplest form, it means follow the leader. The word is disciple. In its simplest form, disciple equals follow the leader. You know, those of us who believe and follow Jesus, we most readily call ourselves Christians. But the word disciple just shows up way too much in the Bible just to ignore it. In fact, we see it 261 times, and the word Christian only shows up three. Jesus himself never even uses the word Christian. It was this term that outsiders labeled those who belonged to Christ. It was a way to categorize them. Now, don't get me wrong. Being called a Christian is not a bad thing. It means belonging to Christ, and that is a very good thing. The deal is that over time, we have simply diluted the calling, and we have undermined the invitation that Jesus is giving to each and every one of us. In today's terms, it's not uncommon for us to call someone a Christian who simply says that they believe in him without ever living like or for him, which is what we see of the disciples in the Bible. You see, the words Christian and disciple should be synonymous. But many have exchanged this biblical translation for the word believe for our English version. You see, the biblical version means that we put our trust in something. When we believe in it, we put our confidence in it. We give our life to it. It brings action out of us. Where our English version of believe just simply means we know something. Let me put it this way. I believe that parachutes can carry some fool, I, I mean person, from a, a perfectly good airplane down to the ground. And yet, I am not going to pay good money to go to a training, to get tied to an expert, to get fabric tied around my back, to go down to the ground. I'm not going to do it. I don't believe in it that way. You guys, let me be clear. Jesus wants us to do more than simply know he exists. You see, in Luke 4, the Bible says that even the demons know that he is the son of God. Being a Christian and living as a disciple is about more than receiving information intellectually. It is about receiving transformation supernaturally in a, well, in a way that compels us to live completely for him. 
I want us to better understand discipleship. And to do that, we need a picture of what it looked like in Jesus' time. You see, for disciples to follow a leader in his time was not uncommon. There would be a rabbi, which means teacher. And there would be these disciples, these followers of the rabbi. They would commit their lives to him. Some of them would even live with their rabbi. And they would make every effort to do what the rabbi did. And I mean everything. From the way he interacted with people to his gestures to the way he walked and taught and taught. In essence, it was like an avid, intense game of follow the leader. And here's the deal. When Jesus called his first disciples, he simply said, follow me. And he's saying the same thing in this room today. So the question is, will you follow the leader? You may be wondering what the heck that means. Well, to be a disciple, first you have to decide. We often make the decision to begin something like CrossFit, not because it's easy or because it's always fun. We join it because we want the results. We want the transformation in our bodies, maybe to prepare for the beach, right? That's why we go. And you know what often draws us in are those darn before and after pictures. There's just something inspiring about them. You see it and you go, that's what I want. Well, today I have something better for you. You see, Greg Lewis, one of our 1910 missionaries, he shared this story with me. He writes, I was in Bangladesh where there were 36 first-generation Christians, meaning they were the first Christians in their entire family, first-time Christians. And they were gathered to a secret location to teach them about the good news of Jesus Christ. 36 men showed up, but only 35 turned out to be Christians. You see, one of them who came was a Muslim imam. He came to find out who was there, and then he had a plan to kill us, Greg says. And we have a picture of this Muslim imam who came that day. This is a picture I want you to keep in your mind. He says, the first day we only taught for a few hours, but that night the Muslim imam went to sleep and in his dream a man in white came to him named Isa. This dream really disturbed the man and so the next day he came back. It was the day that he was planning on killing us. But during that time, another former Muslim man stood up and began teaching about Jesus as the Messiah, calling him Isa, as he's referred to by the Muslims. That day, the Muslim imam decided to follow Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And I want you to see, this is his before picture, and this is his after picture. Wow. Amen, right? Greg writes this. He says, you can see the life and the light of Jesus in him. You see, Jesus says the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There are no beneficial benefits following the enemy or following the world. There are no beneficial benefits apart from Jesus because Jesus says he's the one who comes to bring life. 
And I just believe, I know that there are some of you in this room today who you know about Jesus. You know that he's the perfect son of God, that he died on the cross and rose to the grave. But my question is, do you know him? Have you made him Lord? Do you have a relationship with him that has brought you to action, that has permanently changed your life? Because this morning, I can tell you this. We would be happy to introduce you to him in that way. We already had a woman in in the 830 service who made a decision, this decision. Don't let this time, this moment pass you up because you will be excusing yourself from some of the benefits he has for you today. We want you to know him. We want you to know his life-changing love because he loves you so much that he took your place in death. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin, which mean the cost of our mess-ups, are death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and it means with your life, and you believe the biblical meaning of believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. There's a change that takes place. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. See, the training of a disciple begins with the call where Jesus says, follow me, and you actually decide to go. And I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering to someone today saying, this is your day. You see, there's a truth that deciding to follow Jesus will change your earthly destiny and your eternal destination. It's not just about your eternal. It's also about the earthly benefits today. And they're waiting for you. See, Jesus wants you to be his disciple. The question is, will you follow this leader? And here's the deal. Once you say yes, then you develop as a disciple. Number two is develop. You know, if we want muscles or a fit lifestyle, we have to be dedicated and disciplined. These are the qualities that I see in people who actually commit to a physical training and actually see the results, right? But I wonder, I just wonder if any of you, when you think about physical exercise, have an attitude more like Heather Land. We have a video. I want you to let me know afterwards. Listen, I just want to thank all you CrossFitters out there for checking in with us on Facebook at 5 o'clock every morning. I'm glad to know how many AMRAPs you were able to get in during your wide before my feet ever hit the floor. It's good information. <laughs> You're better than me. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> Not my dancing shorts. 
Tell you one thing, I'd rather catch my pinky toe on a bed frame than a big cock dead at CrossFit. Mm-mm. I ain't doing it. <laughs> All right. By the laughter, I can make some guesses that some of you relate to her. Let me just say, because I know there's quite a few CrossFitters, I think CrossFit is awesome. Okay, let me just say that. Um, but let me also say I still don't know what an AMRAP is. Maybe someone can tell me. Now, there's probably a few in the room who have that kind of response to exercise in general, right? Just, I ain't doing it. And here's the deal. While not that dramatic, praise God, I often get responses to spiritual development like this. You know, Pastor Jen, I'm just, I, I really don't have time to read the Bible. I really don't feel like worshiping. Prayer makes me uncomfortable. And I'm not really ready to join a group because you know what? I'm not even sure I really like people. <laughs> I get responses like that, you guys. And the truth is, if we're honest, we would all be able to raise a hand and say that we've had one of those thoughts now and again. But the truth is that if we follow those beliefs, we're going to miss out on what Jesus has for us. And we're going to miss out on really knowing him. You know, Jesus is looking for our dedication. When a man asked in the Bible, a man came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Like out of all these things that we could do to follow God, what is the one most important thing? And he said this in Mark 12. He says, the most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. They called God Yahweh. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every, now, now pay attention, with every passion of your heart, with every energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this, you must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You'll never find a greater commandment than these. You see, this is what Jesus modeled for us, and this is what he asked from us. He knows that, that really we love because God first loved us, and to know his love is to love him back. And Jesus is a smart man. He knows this, that if we're all in like that, then we will want <laughs> to know him more through the word. We will want to worship him. We'll want to pray to have access to his presence. We'll want to invest in others through biblical community, or at least we'll want to learn how to grow those disciplines. Let me encourage us in this, that when our dedication is lacking, because there are times when it will, there are times when we're not going to be all in, and Jesus knows that. It's those times that we need to go back to those same disciplines because that's what he will use to draw us back to him. There's a thing I like to say, the more we know Jesus, the more we will love Jesus. And the more we love Jesus, the more we're going to want to know Jesus, right? It's true. You see, these disciplines are sometimes like exercise. We don't always want to do them. But when we do, we're glad we did, right? 
because there's benefits. You see, Jesus cares deeply about our development. I love this quote. He loves us just the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. He's on the lookout in this room today for developing disciples who are ready to demonstrate all that they have learned by following the leader because that, my friends, is what is going to change the world for his glory. And so our third and final word this morning is just that, demonstrate. See, we got the greatest commandment, and now we're going to be given the greatest commission. They go hand in hand. When we are all in, we get all from Jesus. And here's the deal. I want to tell you about the Great Commission. Here's how it happened. You see, after Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to a lot of people during a 40-day period before he went back up to heaven. But during that time, he called only one very important meeting. And it was during this time that he gave the great commission to his disciples. I want you to know that it wasn't just for that point in time. Jesus is still alive. He is still passionate about his purposes being fulfilled in the earth. So he is still calling and developing disciples. And so this applies to you and me. Here we go. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, did you notice that Jesus was given all authority? You see, when Jesus gave the great commission, he was sharing his authority with us. He was sharing his authority with us. And so while the enemy still has power in this world, Jesus has the authority to put him in his place, and so do we as his disciples. Jesus is commissioning us today to act on his behalf, to expand and strengthen his kingdom here on earth by making more disciples. You see, he wants us to multiply what he has done in us by leading others to do what we did, follow the leader. Here's the deal. We can only multiply what we have allowed Jesus to make in us. So are you allowing him today to develop you as a disciple? Because if you do, then you will go and change the world. You will make disciples. You will demonstrate him. And he tells us how we do it. Number one is we go. We go. The word says Go and make disciples. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean we go to Africa, although if Jesus calls you to go to Africa, you do that. But it actually means as you are going, as you are going to work, as you are going to school, as you are going on vacation, as you are going through a difficult time, you declare your allegiance and you go anywhere and everywhere with intention to make him known through demonstration of your life. 
You love those around you. You build relationships with those that are different than you. And I love this. Instead of focusing on getting to heaven yourself, you're going to focus on getting heaven here for everyone else. He actually says to make disciples of all nations. He's telling us to go and, and to tell the world, tell different ethnicities and groups of people, and that there should be such influence by the making of disciples that whole systems of government are changed. Could we start with our community here today? Because we've been given the authority. We're also, number two, to baptize these disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism is a symbol, but this is the first time that we're given these instructions where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are put together because we baptize new disciples for the cause and in the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To be baptized is a simple, but it means to be identified with Christ. It means that a permanent change takes place by the Holy Spirit coming in us. And we carry that identification wherever we go. And thirdly, we teach them to obey all commands. Now this means we need to know his commands, right? And it also means we need to be active in applying them. I love this quote from Tony Evans that says this. We don't want to be Christians who just know the Bible. We want to be disciples who follow the Bible. A key here is that we teach with humility. Let me encourage us. Not one of us have mastered all the commands that Christ has given us. But we are ones who will commit to letting the master continue to develop us. And we bring others along for the journey. That's what making disciples is about. All the while pointing them to follow the leader. And in the end, Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you even to the end of the age. Meaning he's not going to leave us. He is in this with us. And the more we commit in the life of a disciple, the more empowerment he will give us. There's more rights, there's more privileges, there's more power to unleash upon the world, and he gives it to us. Now, I want to encourage all of us this morning. You see, now Jesus had promised that a helper would come after he went to heaven, and this helper is the Holy Spirit. See, the early disciples had been given the authority, the permission to use Jesus' power, but they hadn't yet gotten the power itself. And so after the delivery of the Great Commission, they obeyed Jesus, they went to Jerusalem, they waited and they worshiped and they prayed for this power from heaven to fill them. And there, you guys, we find Peter. I think a lot of us could relate to Peter today. You see, when he was first chosen as one of Jesus' first disciples, he was nothing but an ordinary fisherman. And in the three-year journey of being developed by Jesus, we continually see him as impetuous and impatient and imperfect. And yet we also see Jesus reassure and reinstate him to his relationship with him and to his calling time and time again. 
And when the Holy Spirit fell on that room in Jerusalem, it was Peter who, being filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus. And that day, 3,000 people believed in and followed the Savior. I want you to be encouraged because God can take ordinary, imperfect people who simply say yes to following him, and he can do extraordinary things with them. I'm a living testimony of that. You know, Jesus' first and last words to Peter face to face here on this earth were just two words. They were simply this. Follow me. Today, Jesus isn't looking for the perfect. He's looking for the Peters. And the same question is going out to you today. Will you follow the leader? I want you to stand up. And I want our ministry team to go ahead and come down to the front. You see, this life as a disciple is one that requires action. It is one in which we respond. And so I'm going to encourage you today. There's somebody in the room who, who is ready to decide to follow Jesus. We want you to come up, and we want to introduce you, and we want you to begin that relationship today. And there's some of you who are in development, but you've gotten stagnated and I want to encourage you to come up and pray for dedication and discipline to be reignited in your life. And there's some of you that are like, yeah, there is something burning within me where God is calling me to demonstrate, but I'm filled with fear. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel equipped. Maybe you're called to adopt. Maybe you're called to go on a mission trip. Maybe you're called to change a job. I want you to come up and get prayed over for a greater empowerment of the Holy Spirit. A practical step I want to encourage all of you in this week is to join a group, to get in biblical community where you can be encouraged and prayed over, where you can be developed and you can be pushed out to demonstrate. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And then you'll be dismissed. And I want all of you who are ready to respond to come up for prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, you're calling every one of us to follow you today. Holy Spirit, work on every heart and in every mind to show your truth. My prayer is simply this, that each one of us would say yes. We will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.